Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromolo. NFL teams at this moment are already filing into training camp, and today the Denver Broncos just held the first training camp practice of the 2019 season. We can say this, football is officially back. And in that spirit, we continue our 2019 division-by-division preview series with a dive into the AFC South. And joining us to analyze all things Colts, Jaguars, Texans, and Titans is our good friend Jake Arthur, who is currently a contributing writer for Colts.com, the official website of the Indianapolis Colts. It's a pleasure to have you with us again, Jake. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me back, brother. I'm glad your show's back up on the air. Oh, we're glad to be back as well. And let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that magic run in 2017 did not translate into 2018 as the Jaguars fell off a cliff because Blake Bortles got exposed and that defense, which was forced to be elite every week, couldn't handle uh, such pressure. And they wound up with a top 10 pick in the draft yet again. And they jettisoned Blake Bortles as a result. And they signed Super Bowl 52 MVP Nick Foles to upgrade that quarterback position. And I personally am one of perhaps a minority of people who is higher on Nick Foles with the Jaguars than most. The reason why? New Jags offensive coordinator John Filippo coached Nick Foles during that magical run in Philly in 2017. Is it realistic to think that we'll get more of the good Nick Foles than the bad one this season, given the presence of Filippo? I, I think it certainly helps. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the move in general, but pairing Foles with a guy in DeFilippo who Foles played one of the best stretches of his career uh, with, I definitely like that move. Uh, it, it gives him comfortability. You know, he, he's, he's been kind of in these quarterback-friendly systems for a lot of his career. That's not necessarily the case in Jacksonville outside of him now having DeFilippo. And I also think he has a, a decent supporting cast. It's not an elite one, but I, I think it's enough uh, enough to complement his game to where he'll be a solid player for them. They, they go about six or so deep at receiver, and, and they all have their, their strengths. A couple of them, you know, you got D.D. Westbrook, who could be a really good slot receiver. Keelan Cole, I, I think they need to go back to the well on him. Uh, I think he offers them a lot. Uh, and then, of course, you want DJ Chark to take the next step and maybe establish and establish himself as like a solid number two guy. Uh, I don't know that number one outside is is, is going to happen, but you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. He could be a solid number two, and, and it'd be fine. Uh, and then you got Chris Conley and uh, Terrell Pryor and Marquise Lee, who's you know when he's healthy, he's been a, a dependable player for him. Oh, you mentioned some good names there, and let's talk about Chris Conley. Chris Conley is a very, very underrated wide receiver. Uh, In 2017, Alex Smith's final year with the Chiefs, Chris Conley was an underrated component to that offense before he was lost for the season with the torn Achilles, and after that injury, uh, the Chiefs' offense kind of took a bit of a dive. So um, I think Chris Conley can provide uh, Nick Foles with a very similar uh, benefit that he did with Alex Smith for part of that 2017 season. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Foles and Conley may have uh, may have been around Kansas City together at some point. I might be wrong, but they, they were at least close in, in that fashion. But no, I, I mean, maybe Conley, maybe Conley expands his game a little bit. It, Kansas City, in just in my opinion, it was it was never the place that receivers really developed at least in the top guys who had a real well-rounded game. I think Tyreek Hill is perfect for what he does, and I think he meshes very well with Patrick Mahomes. 
But we haven't seen a guy really develop into a well-rounded receiver since Dwayne Bowe there. So maybe a change of scenery helps Chris Conley. We'll see. We shall see indeed. And you also mentioned DJ Chark. And envisioning his role in this offense, it is that Ted Ginn-style deep threat and especially in an offense that's going to be as run-centric as the Jaguars is, uh, the Jaguars are going to are going to need that from DJ Chark. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think someone like DJ Chark could be really valuable in their play-action game. Um, you know, just set up a heavy formation featuring Leonard Fournette, you know, play-action, deep on DJ Chark. I think they could do a lot with that. And I think that's probably, with Nick Foles at quarterback, I that's probably going to be a big component to Chark's game this year is, is big games off of play act. Indeed. And speaking of Leonard Fournette, let's go to our Jaguars fantasy focus. And as I mentioned, this Jaguars offense is still going to be centered on Leonard Fournette and the ground game. And our fantasy focus question is, would you be happy taking Leonard Fournette at his current ADP, which is the sixth pick of the third round, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, or would you rather take Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack, or Derrick Henry at around the same juncture of your draft? Probably be a little more comfortable with Derrick Henry and Marlon Mack. Um, just because, I mean, I, I have the benefit of knowing a, a strong amount about the Colts. But Marlon Mack, if, if he would have played all 16 games last year, if you prorate his numbers when he kind of actually got healthy and started playing in week six, he would have he been a really strong fantasy running back. Uh, he would have had easily over a thousand rushing yards. He finished the season with ten total touchdowns, and, and that's without having those several other games to play. Um, he, he's not a huge factor in the passing game, but he hasn't had to be. Um, he, he gets a lot of goal line touches, so there's always the chance for him to score. And then with Derrick Henry, I think all you have to do is look at that run he had at the end of the season last year. It's like a like a four or five game stretch that he was absolutely dominant. Uh, had a ton of touchdowns, had a ton of yards, and, and it wasn't just one game either. So I, I think Tennessee knows that their best bet on offense is to ride on, on Derrick Henry. Uh, and it's I, I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, it's just we haven't seen him reach that potential yet. Uh, he's been hurt a lot. He's been suspended. He's been in the doghouse in Jacksonville. I just don't trust him. Uh, I, I'd be okay taking him in the third round, but if those other guys were on the board, probably not taking him before them. And then Aaron Jones, I love his upside, but I, I would I would like to see I'd like to see proof from Green Bay that one running back can sustain success there for a whole season. It just doesn't happen there for whatever reason. And you know maybe that's a fault on my part of of not trusting organizations and positions uh, in those organizations for fantasy. But I, I've got to see it first, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, I know what you mean. And uh, Marlon Mack and Derrick Henry, uh, while uh, Leonard Fournette is close to them in terms of fantasy value, and rightfully so, the reason why you would take both of them over Fournette is because they have higher floors. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, Fournette is definitely the focal point of the Jaguars' run game. But more recently, I've seen Derrick Henry and Marlon Mack have big success with their teams as the lead backs. Yes, plus uh, Fournette's off-the-field baggage uh, is too troublesome for me to pick him uh, at least that early. 
So uh, moving on to the defensive side of the ball for the Jaguars and the Jaguars defense. Uh, yes, it wasn't as good as it was in 2017, but their defense was still actually very, very good last year. And they arguably got even more dangerous because Josh Allen, the freakish athletic pass rusher linebacker hybrid out of Kentucky, fell to them at the seventh overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. How much more lethal does Josh Allen make this Jaguars defense? Yeah, it's just another example of, uh, of the Jaguars pulling pulling a move off on defense that just doesn't seem fair. Uh, it seems like they do that in the draft just about every year. They, they do something that just adds to their embarrassment or riches on defense. Uh, I think it couldn't come at a better time to get Josh Allen that Kelvin Smith is apparently taking the 2019 season off. So I, I think that definitely helps. I mean, Josh Allen is primarily a pass rusher. That he can do a lot of the same things that linebackers do. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jacksonville kind of keep him in that role that he had at Kentucky. You know, maybe do a lot of linebacker stuff on early downs and then become a, a pass rusher on third down. Wouldn't be surprised to see that. He's an explosive dude. He really fits that defense. And uh, pairing him with Yannick and Gokwe really gives them a, a nice one-two punch at, at pass rusher. Oh, I completely agree. And also, uh, Daniel Jeremiah's pro comparison for Josh Allen was Anthony Barr. And uh, the Jaguars uh, are going to give him very similar responsibilities as the Vikings give Anthony Barr. Having Barr uh, drop into coverage and do linebacker things on early downs, as you said, and go hunt the quarterback on uh, third downs and downs with long distances. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that. That's, that's a good comparison, I think. What, what we saw Anthony Barr be as early in his career with the Vikings, I, I think we could definitely see a, a pretty comparison to, uh, to Josh Allen there. Totally, but as you alluded to, despite the addition of Josh Allen, the Jaguars will be without three key people on defense this season. You mentioned Telvin Smith who will be taking the 2019 season off for unknown personal reasons, and they also had to cut Malik Jackson and Tashawn Gibson due to cap issues. Which of those three do you think will be missed the most? Uh, I think Telvin Smith, just for starters, he's, he's been a pro bowler for them. He's, he's a perfect fit in that defense. Uh, he's a tackling machine. I, I think they'll miss him most. And he's, he was a leader on that team. Real, real fast guy, just piled up the tackles. He's a playmaker in the passing game. Uh, I just, I think that's probably who they'll miss most. I think for Malik Jackson, you know, they, they've, they've had depth on the defensive line for a while. And then uh, to Sean Gibson, you know, the, the Ronnie Harrison coming in, in as early as he did in establishing himself last year, that kind of eases the loss of, of, uh, of to Sean Gibson. Yes, and another young guy that the Jaguars are very high on still is David Bryan, their first-round draft pick uh, in 2018. Uh, do you see him carving out a sizable role in that defensive line rotation this year? Oh, I, I could see. I loved Taven Bryan coming out of Florida last year. Uh, incredible first step. You know, if, if you're getting off the ball before you're on it every time, then you know that's obviously gonna gonna be a huge advantage for you. Really fast, uh, quick, agile guy. And as I said, he has that quick first step. I wouldn't be surprised to see him establish himself as a starter right there. Oh, neither would I. And uh, so do you think the Jaguars' defense will still be a top-five unit in 2019? I, I, I just don't see why they wouldn't be. They, they've got a lot of the same ingredients. It hurts not having Kelvin Smith. Linebacker is probably their biggest concern for me right now. I'm guessing Josh Allen probably steps in at linebacker as well. But and, until 
until I see them take a step back, I think they're still going to be a really stingy defense. I do as well, and the heartbeat of that team. And if you add a Nick Foles, uh, this team could be a sneaky bet to uh, make it back to the playoffs. And moving on to the Tennessee Titans in Music City, where this year the focus is Marcus Mariota as he is in the fifth and final season of his rookie deal and is likely playing for his uh, second chance uh, in Tennessee. And for the first few years of his career, Mariota looked like the real deal. And the previous two years, not so much. And while not all Mariota's struggles can be blamed on his health, he's still yet to play a full 16-game season, you have to consider the possibility that his issues last season were in large part due to him being very, very banged up. According to a legendary Titans beat man, Paul Kaharski, um, Mariota was playing through an ulnar nerve issue in his throwing arm, a neck stinger, cracked vertebra, a broken rib, a sprained AC shoulder joint, and a significant plantar fascia tear. Ouch. Assuming he's infinitely healthier this season, what kind of year does Mariota need to have in order to warrant a long-term contract extension from the Titans? Oh, I think the biggest thing he has to prove, and it's not even necessarily something that's totally in his control, I think he has to prove he can stay available. Uh, for for any player in any position in the NFL, the best ability is availability, but especially a quarterback. I mean, they're planning on having you every single game, you know, and they want you there every single practice. If he can't stay healthy, that's a huge issue. It, it kind of all all starts with that. But another problem is when he's been, I, I don't know if he's ever been healthy, but when he's on the field, he, he's, not, he's not always dicing up defenses. I think he needs to re- remain healthy and continue to develop because I, I, I think a lot of this is taken away from his development too, you know? So we'll see. I, I think he has to stay healthy, and I think he has to play the best football we've seen him play yet. Because so far, he he just hasn't shown much. And it's a shame because he was a really good prospect coming out, and I think he could be a good player. He just can't stay healthy. Yeah, that's the problem. And the fact that the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill uh, as his backup uh, shows you that they don't trust him to play for 16 games. Does that? Yeah, they, they didn't just trade for some, you know, some rinky-dink guy. They traded for former first-round draft pick who was his team starter since then. You know, they, they didn't just pick some bridge guy. The, the, his backup is legit. Oh, you most certainly said it. And let's stay on the offensive side of the ball for our Titans fantasy focus. And Delaney Walker has always been Marcus Mariota's best friend in the passing game, but he's 35 years old and coming off a major injury, which was a fractured ankle with ligament damage suffered against Miami in the season opener last year. And if Delaney Walker isn't the same, Mariota is going to need another threat over the middle to target regularly. And based on last season, Jonu Smith is not capable of being that guy. Enter rookie wide receiver A.J. Brown, who many in the draft community compared to Juju Smith-Schuster. He's likely to be that big slot receiver, and he runs terrific routes. Do you see A.J. Brown becoming that threat over the middle if Delaney Walker's play declines and Jonu Smith remains inept? Yeah, I could see it. Because um, one big thing about A.J. Brown is he can, he can cut out a role in the slot. I know that might be Adam Humphrey's deal, uh, their new receiver, but I mean, if you give me the choice of A.J. Brown versus Adam Humphreys, I'm probably going to take Brown every day of the week, um, at, at least what Brown can develop into. He's a tough guy. He, he turns into a running back with the ball in his hand, and he, he'll take a lick over the middle. So I definitely think he could be that guy. Uh, he's sure-handed. He, in my opinion, you know, all he has to do is just kind of do his job and, and develop at the rate he should. 
and I think he'll be a, a, a quarterback's best friend. I think he's that type of receiver. Thank you very much for that scouting report, Jake. And moving on to the Titans' defense, which uh, is a very promising unit. They have a very underrated secondary that is potentially a top five or if not top three unit in the league, but they need better production from their edge rushers. Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan both retired, leaving them with 37-year-old Cameron Wake and second-year player Harold Landry atop the depth chart at that position. If Cameron Wake has one more 8-10 to sack season left in him, and Harold Landry, who had four and a half sacks last year in a limited role, can take that next step, how good can this Titans defense actually be in 2019? Yeah, I mean, the, the Titans defense has, has been good even with those older guys before. And now you're kind of giving them an, an injection at, uh, on both sides of the edge. I loved Harold Landry in the draft last year. I, I thought he would have been worthy of a first-round pick. Uh, and then Cam Wakes, you know, you got to imagine he'll probably be just as, if not more, productive of a pass rusher as a rack, though. Because Derek Morgan was always more of an edge setter, in my in my opinion. So they've upgraded their pass rush. And uh, it's a shame they won't have Jeffrey Simmons this year at defensive tackle. But down down the road, that makes their front seven really good. But, it, yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it. I, I think those guys will give them a boost at edge rusher to make them a really good defense. Uh, but their linebackers aren't bad either. Uh, Wesley Woodyard is always solid. Um, Jayon Brown is underrated. Rashawn Evans was one of my favorite linebackers coming out last year. And they drafted David Long out of West Virginia, who, if he was six foot, six one, and 235 pounds, probably would have been a higher pick. Um, but he's basically got, you know, Bob Sanders size, and he, he played like Bob Sanders. But at the linebacker position, you know, you don't really want that. So. Their linebackers are good. Their defensive line is good. And then in the secondary, like you said, really good. Uh, arguably the best free safety in Kevin Byard. Kenny Vaccaro is not bad. Uh, their their corners are quality. And, and Logan Ryan and Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler. It's a solid team. And, and you know, they, they added a monster at safety as well. So th- this is a really diverse defense that they've got here. And uh, Dean Pease can do quite a bit with that. I mean, it, it could it could look like some of the teams that Dean Pease had with the Ravens over the last couple of years on defense. Oh, it most certainly can, and Jeffrey Simmons could wind up being the steal of the 2019 NFL Draft. And from the 20th century Houston team to the 21st century Houston team and the Texans, and when you look at the Texans last season, despite displaying his enormous potential, no quarterback took more of a beating than Deshaun Watson did as he was hit a league high 126 times thanks to that sieve of an offensive line. And to address their offensive line woes, the Texans signed turnstile offensive tackle and mega draft bust Matt Khalil and drafted two project offensive tackles in Titus Howard, their first round pick, and Max Sharping, one of their two second round picks. On paper, is this Texas offensive line even worse than last year's monstrosity? Yeah, a lot of people like those picks, but I, I really like Houston's, uh, I really like Houston's draft hall. Now, I do understand them taking Titus Howard and Max Sharping when and where they did was not popular, but I like those players a lot. So if you just strip away where they drafted them and just add the fact that they did add those players, uh, I, I think it's going to make it better. You know, they have Martinez Rankin, who's, you know, he could still develop into a pretty decent player. Uh, Nick Martin's a decent center. Uh, Julianne Davenport, eh, we'll see. But 
at the very least, they have better competition for those starting five spots now. I don't, I don't expect their offensive line to be magically fixed. I think Watson's still going to take his, his lumps. But I don't expect it to be as bad as last year was. It, it almost can't be as bad as last year was. Oh, it most certainly cannot. And do you think Deshaun Watson, who has suffered two ACL tears in his playing career, take that much of a beating and be as productive as he was last year with a 103.1 passer rating? Uh, well, we kind of saw it with Andrew Luck. Um, early in Andrew's career, he was just getting the hell beat out of him. He, he was leading the league in, in hits and sacks. And he was still making magic happen. But people said, you know, eventually something's got to give. And it did, unfortunately. We saw Andrew was hurt for, like, three years. Um, and he finally came back healthy. I, I really don't hope the same for Deshaun. They, they got to get that line fixed for him before the shoe, the next shoe drops. You know what I mean? Um, you can only prolong this so, so long. You know, getting hit that many times and still performing at a high level. I mean, he got beat to hell last year. I mean, he he, he couldn't even fly an airplane for a stretch last year, right? Um, they they, they got to they got to make sure that he he stays healthy. I mean, every quarterback gets sacked, every quarterback gets hit, but maybe bring it to the middle of the of the pack in the league instead of leading the league and and sacks. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, Jake. I definitely am concerned that Deshaun Watson might uh, have a very similar experience that Andrew Luck had uh, health-wise if the Texans don't fix that offensive line ASAP. And staying on the offensive side of the ball for the Texans in our Texans fantasy focus, obviously the two biggest uh, fantasy prizes on this Texans offense are DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. But let's uh, examine the other layers of this passing attack. Would you be surprised if Kiki Kuti whose average draft position is the third pick of the 11th round, becomes Watson's second option in the passing game behind DeAndre Hopkins, rather than Will Fuller, who is currently going as the fourth pick in the ninth round. No, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, just because I, I saw what QT did to the Colts last year in his, in his first career game. I think he had, like, over 10 catches. That, that was just Watson's money guy. Uh, just, you know, little quick slot guy who he could get the ball to immediately. Uh, it doesn't mean that Fuller won't have a big part in the, in the in the passing game, but I think those top three guys will have their roles. You know, DeAndre Hopkins can do everything. Will Fuller, to this point in his career, has just really mostly been a, a default guy, which is fine. Uh, that has really worked when he's healthy with Deshaun Watson. But then, you know, Kiki QT can kind of be that Julian Edelman guy that gets a ton of balls thrown his way because he's both fast and quick and can pick up a little extra yards after the pass, it doesn't mean he's better than Fuller necessarily, but I think he will have huge value to Watson. Very good analysis there, Jake, as always. And moving to the Texans' defense, their secondary took a bit of a hit in the offseason. They lost Tyron Matthew to the Chiefs and Kareem Jackson to the Broncos in free agency and replaced them with Deshaun Gibson, who we just talked about, and Bradley Roby, respectively. Both of those guys, while not terrible, are considered downgrades. How much of a downgrade is that in your view? Uh, well, Tyron, losing anytime you're going to lose Tyron Matthew, that's a big blow. He's not only a, an excellent player, but he's a great leader as well. Uh, he, he's someone who shows guys how to be a, pro, a professional both on and off the field. So that's always going to be downgraded when you lose a guy like that. But Brad, Bradley Roby's not bad. Uh, I'm interested to see how that works with Aaron Colvin because 
Aaron Colgan's best spot is is in the nickel. That's also the same for Bradley Roby. So I'm not real sure how it's going to work. We've seen both of those guys play poorly at times outside on the boundary. So we'll see how that goes. You know, they all actually also lost Andre Howe, who uh, I, I believe he had a Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes, and he retired. Yeah, he, he came back this year, but then he ultimately retired. So they, they lose him as well. Uh, yeah, Kareem Jackson, I believe you said. They did add Lonnie Johnson and Jaleel Adai. It, it's hard to say. They, they added a couple quality guys, but like, I think it's fair to say they'll probably take a small step back in the secondary this, this year. The, the guys they lost were hard guys to lose. Oh, most definitely. But there was a young guy who exploded onto the scene in an under-the-radar fashion last year, and that was Justin Reed, who was their third-round pick in the 2018 NFL draft, and he quietly had a very stellar rookie season. And if Justin Reed could take that next step forward this season, how much do you think will that hide the losses of Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. Justin Reed is, is a stud. Um, but no, the, the losses of Kareem Jackson and, and Tyron Matthew, I mean, they're, they're going to be big because you also look at, you're still relying on Jonathan Joseph, who is, He's, he's ancient for a corner. He really is. He, he still plays at a high level at times, but um, you got to start expecting injuries. you got to start expecting him to be a little bit slower, especially when he's facing someone like T.Y. Hilton. It, it's hard. You know, it, injuries can, can shape a whole positional in a season, and I don't think they're quite as deep as they were now, especially with the losses of, of Matthew and Craig Jackson. Oh, yeah, and especially considering the fact that both Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson are versatile. They're cornerback safety hybrids. They can play either position. Yeah, absolutely. They were just kind of getting Kareem Jackson into the whole safety thing, too, and I I think it kind of had to, if I remember correctly, they kind of had to, you know, abandon that a little bit because of their their needs at at corner. But, no, Matthew, the same way, can play nickel, can play outside, can play free or strong safety, that, that's an invaluable thing for them to be able to have. Especially with a Patriot-style defense that the Texans uh, run. And now moving on to your Indianapolis Colts. We start with the Colts fantasy focus. Uh, the Colts uh, offense had a resurgence last year, thanks in large part to the selection of Quentin Nelson, whose presence almost single-handedly made that offensive line from one of the league's worst units to one of the league's best. And the return to health of Andrew Luck made the Colts one of the hottest teams in the league down the stretch last year, and they made it all the way to the divisional round of the playoffs. And the scary thing is they can only be even better on offense because of some weapons they added. They added... Uh, Devin Funchess uh, to give them more size receiver and Paris Campbell one of their uh, three second round draft picks out of Ohio State who adds an interesting new layer to that offense with his speed and versatility in ways you could get him the ball that is so which new addition to the Colts receiving core will make the biggest fantasy impact in 2019 Devin Funchess or Paris Campbell so I'm gonna have to say Paris Campbell on this one I, I think it's just because he, he fits into this offense very, very well. I think Funches is, is definitely going to have his role. I think he'll, he'll probably have several touchdowns, a lot of which coming in the, in the red zone probably. Uh, the Colts have needed a guy with his size who can just go up and get those 50-50 balls. So he'll definitely have his role. But I'm, I'm just going to say Paris Campbell's fit in this offense is excellent. Just – you know, we saw his strengths at Ohio State, 
and we know what Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni like to do on offense, and it just meshes really well. And the Colts want to kind of get him out of his cage a little bit because we, we did see Paris kind of pigeonholed into being a slot receiver at Ohio State, but his athletic traits show he's probably capable of much more. I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar in year one. I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to, to put that on him already. But I think he'll have his fair share of catches. I think they'll want to get the ball in his hands quite a bit just because they know what they can do with him. I mean, Frank Reich has been smitten with Campbell since the combine. So he's been dreaming up ways to get him involved in his offense for months and months. So my best guess would be Campbell would be the, the bigger fantasy impact. Oh, that's very interesting, but good evidence to support it there, Jake. But does the presence of Devin Funches make Eric Ebron's current ADP, which is the 10th pick of the 7th round, a bit rich? Because Eric Ebron probably isn't catching 13 or more touchdowns again, and Funches is going to siphon a lot of those red zone targets away. Uh, maybe a little bit. I, I think it's hard to say Ebron would have 15 touchdowns again, no matter what happened to the offense. That's just that's an incredible number of touchdowns to duplicate. So I think regression will be, you know, it it can be expected. But at the same time, Luck and Ebron, they have real chemistry. It, it was evident from like the first day of training camp last year, and they had never thrown thrown and, and caught with one another. So. I don't think it's going to take a huge cut into Ebron's, uh, into his touchdown share. People are going to point to Jack Doyle returning as well. I don't think that'll matter either. Because uh, even when Jack Doyle was on the field, Ebron was still out there scoring touchdowns. I just think they play different roles. You know, you, you can move Ebron around quite a bit as a tight end. He kind of dominated from the slot as a tight end last year. So I, I, I think they'll find a way to feed everybody. I would I would value Ebron above Funches in fantasy still. I'm not going to say he's going to have 14, 15 touchdowns again, but I don't see why he couldn't go double digits again. I, I just think with with Luck and Ebron's chemistry and the fact that Reich and Sirianni know how to use Ebron, I don't see an enormous dip in production. And you mentioned Jack Doyle, and I want to talk about Jack Doyle now. He missed 10 games last season due to injury, and the Colts offense seems stuck at times without him. Just how important is Jack Doyle to this Colts offense? Uh, he, he's very important. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can really do everything. Now, he's not like the over-athletic tight end who's going to stretch the field and make those big downfield plays, but he, he's an elite possession tight end, to be honest with you, and, and he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league as well. Uh, at least among those who aren't just solely blocking tight ends. When you look at uh, starting tight ends who go out there and catch the ball as well, he, he's probably one of the best blockers. But no, it was it was evident. I think the first, when he was officially out for the year, I think the first game they played without him after that was in Jacksonville, and they didn't score a point. It was 6-0. to zero. And I, just, I kind of thought to myself, you know, look, look how important Jack Doyle is. He allowed he he himself is capable of doing so many different things, but his presence also allows you to use other guys like Eric Ebron or Mo Alley Cox. It allows you to use them however you want, also because then they're not having to be played out of position, doing what Jack was supposed to be doing. You know, I I think if you have Jack healthy all year, then you're also going to see Mo Alley Cox continue to develop to develop as well because he's not going to have to block as much. We're going to see Mo Cox kind of blossom a little in the passing game, if you ask me, because Jack's presence is going to allow everybody to play their role and develop in that role. 
I actually just had a thought listening to you um, give those scouting reports. If the Colts offense was last year's Iowa Hawkeyes offense, uh, Eric Ebron would be Noah Fant, and Noah Fant uh, received a lot of comparisons to Eric Ebron uh, coming into the draft uh, this past spring. And uh, Jack Doyle would essentially be the TJ Hawkinson type role, not as much of an athlete as Hawkinson, but uh, equally nasty as a blocker. Yeah, absolutely right. And I, I, I think in my own personal kind of scouting report notes, for you know each guy that I finished, when I finished Hawkinson, I said he played like a more athletic Jack Doyle. Uh, you know they they do a lot of same things. They're very good blockers, both spread out in the slot or in line. They have very good hands. They're smart. They know where the chains are. He, he, Hawkinson's a little more of an athletic uh, Jack Doyle in my mind. Has better yards after the catch ability at least. Well, thank you for that uh, interesting uh, scouting report there as well. Good minds uh, think alike. And going to the Colts' defense here, and this was one of the more inspiring stories of uh, the 2018 season. Despite a lack of playmaking talent outside Defensive Player of the Year, Darius Leonard, who has Hall of Fame potential, dare I say, the Colts were 11th in total defense last season thanks to the brilliant coaching of Matt Eberflus. Uh, He's really um, put together a unit that is greater than the sum of its parts. But now you add Justin Houston to the mix. If he could stay healthy, he could be a free agency uh, highway thievery, dare I say. Malik Hooker is now two years removed from that ACL tear. Plus, you added several promising rookies. How much better can this Colts defense be this season after uh, ranking 11th last season? Honestly, not not to be a homer, but this the team in general doesn't really have many holes, at least no like critical holes. And the defense, it's bringing most of the key players, pretty much all the key players back from last year. And then some, uh, you know, they, they've added depth pretty much everywhere. Justin Houston, of course, that could be a huge get. It, it's not like the Chiefs wanted to really get rid of him. I think they just didn't want to pay him the price tag he he had. I, I don't think they just thought he was old and washed up. They just didn't want to pay him that money, in my assumption. You got Kimoko Ture, who should be expected to take, you know, a step forward. Same with Taekwon Lewis. Al Quadi Muhammad, no one talks about him, but he he's been a really solid player for them, both as a run stopper and, and a pass rusher. Jabal Sheard is, is Mr. Dependable. He shows up every week. But another guy no one talks about is Danico Autry, who had nine sacks for the Colts as a defensive tackle. And he pretty much did all of his damage in the second half of the season because he was banged up pretty much the first half of the year. Uh, and then you look at, at linebacker, they're going to be cutting some good linebackers this year after camp. I mean, Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, that, that that's your probably your starters right now. But then you also have to look at uh, Matthew Adams and Zaire Franklin. Ben Banigou was originally looked at as potentially a Sam, but he's probably more of a defensive end now. Then you've got Bobby Okariki, who's probably going to be competing with Walker and Mike. Sky Moore, who's, who's really good. They drafted EJ Speed as well. Really deep at linebacker. That, that should be a fun battle. And then uh, what no one really thinks about is they're really, really deep at corner, too. Pierre Desir, Quincy Wilson, Kenny Moore. Uh, Kenny Moore, who can play outside and inside. Uh, Rocky Yassine, their, their first draft pick. Jalen Collins, they have him. I think a lot of people forgot Jalen Collins was around. Uh, Nate Harrison, who started for them as a rookie, and is a quality nickel. Chris Milton is one of the best gunners in the league. Uh, and then they drafted Marvell Tell, who was a safety at USC. But they they want to try him at cornerback. Just tested out of the gym at the combine. He, he's an athletic freak. 
it's a really deep there. And, and then, of course, at safety, you know, it starts with Malik Hooker. Clayton Gathers is a quality, strong safety. Uh, Matthias Farley can, can pretty much do anything you need. Uh, he's a solid player there. And they're really excited about Kahari Willis from Michigan State. And they love George Odom, who was a uh, an undrafted free agent for them last year. So I think this defense is better and deeper than many people on the outside really know. But they're, they're not just satisfied with that 11th ranking. You know, they, they want to be even better moving forward. So don't be surprised if they do creep into that top 10. Oh, I absolutely would not be surprised, especially given uh, Chris Ballard's wizardry on defense. Going back to scouting days with the Bears, he drafted a lot of those uh, key players that were instrumental in getting the Bears uh, to the Super Bowl in 2006 and on the cusp of the Super Bowl in 2010. Chris Ballard definitely knows how to build a defense. And now let's talk about uh, their day two defensive draft picks that you alluded to. Uh, Rocky Sin, Ben Banigou, and Bobby Okariki. Which of those is likely to make the biggest impact in 2019? I've kind of gone back and forth on this a little bit. It's tough to say because they, they all three, and, and this is kind of a good thing for the Colts, honestly. They don't need any of those three guys to come in and have to perform right away. Yassine is part of a, a deep group of cornerbacks. You know, between Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson on the outside and Kenny Moore on the inside, that works really well for them. So I'd be surprised, or not surprised, but I'll I'll be interested to see how quickly uh, Rock could maybe crack that. Ben Banigou, I think he'll factor into the pass rush rotation probably pretty quickly. This is a team that they like to roll their defensive line out in waves. They like to keep everyone fresh. They, They basically want a bunch of starting level players just constantly rotating in and out of the lineup. So Banigou will probably be out there quite a bit. In my opinion, Bobby Okariki, it totally depends if he can win the starting Mike spot. If not, then he could feasibly get their Sam spot, but the Sam doesn't play all that often just because you're, you're very rarely in your base defense. You're in your sub packages a lot. It's I, I I hate to do it to you, but I honestly can't pick just one. I could see a scenario for any of the three, but it, it's it'd be so hard to just pick one of them to say who's going to have the biggest impact. He is Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen, contributor for Colts.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL. And Jake, it's a pleasure having you back on the program in our first week back on the air after our brief hiatus. But before you go, we're going to play a fun little game called Truth or Exaggeration. And in this game, I'm going to make a statement about each of the four AFC South teams. And you're going to tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. Starting with the Colts. Andrew Luck offset a career high for touchdown passes this season. I'll say I'll say truth. And why is that? He's thrown forty before, and then he, he think, I think he had thirty nine last year. Um, I think his group of pass catchers this year is more diverse and better. And I think you know if, if everyone is healthy, then that certainly helps as well. But the Colts also have their offensive line together now. They didn't get this offensive line together until week six last year. Uh, so all signs point towards the Colts' offense being even better. Luck is going to be in his second year in the system with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. So I don't see why he couldn't put up more. And it could just be 41 or so for a new career high. But, I mean, that's still career high. And moving on to the Jaguars. If the Jaguars repeat what they did in 2018 as opposed to 2017, they will blow up the roster during the 2020 offseason. There's probably some truth to that. 
I, I think they have enough young talent all over the roster where they don't need to blow up everything. But you could probably see some some older, more expensive guys gone. You know, Clayus Campbell, Marcel Darius, guys like that. Maybe Jalen Ramsey isn't happy. You know, you don't know how that would go. Not not to insinuate he wouldn't be happy, but I think he's going to command top dollar. So how his contract situation goes, that could be one thing. Uh, Leonard Fournette. It could look like they're blowing it up, but really they could just be unloading a lot of their more high-profile, expensive guys. You never know how that goes. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see what the Jaguars do this year and in the offseason. And moving on to Tennessee, Corey Davis, the fifth overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, will post his first 1,000-yard receiving season of his career, despite Ryan Tannehill playing two or three games. I'll say that's true. I, I think he's, I think he's a really good player, and if I'm not mistaken, he got relatively close to it last year. Um, you know, if, if if he stays healthy, it, it, it should, it's only like 60, 65 yards a game or something. He should be able to do that. I think that's true. And last but not least, with the Texans, DeAndre Hopkins will post an even better stat line in 2019 than his 115 catch. 1,572-yard, 11-touchdown, 2018 campaign, a campaign that he played very hurting. So I think he could have more touchdowns. I don't see him topping the receptions or yards. I think a healthy Will Fuller and a healthy Kiki QT, as well as the, the further development of their three really good young tight ends, I think that will just eat into some of, of the, the targets. It's it's nothing against DeAndre Hopkins. I just think Deshaun Watson will have more players to throw to this year. If you look at it, the next closest receiver to him from last year, it's insane. Hopkins at 115. The next highest receiver was Will Fuller with 32 catches. That is an enormous disparity. I mean, there was just a lot of injuries. I just think Watson is going to – it doesn't make sense for that to continue. There, there's going to be more guys for Watson to throw to this year. My exact thoughts. Jake Arthur, thank you very much once again. We hope to have you back on the program again very, very soon. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me back. 